intro to it. And we are back. And now we're on the real intro. Yeah, and we're we're live. Heck yeah. Audience, folks, welcome for having us here for another week. Uh, we have myself, Juan Ortiz. Nate Landshark Shermer. And our guest for the week, very special friend of mine. Uh, he's coming to the spotlight of the veteran community here with some recent events that he's been in. Uh, our good friend from Smokin' Aces Barbecue, Ruben Maldonado. How's it going, guys? Hey, <laughs> little cheers. Hey, how you guys doing? Good, good. Doing, um, doing well. Ruben, let's start with what are you drinking? Uh, a little rum and coke. Oh, okay, keeping it simple right now. A little light, not too heavy. Just Still the, early. Just the, the clear Bacardi rum? Yep. Right? Yeah, yeah. Did you? They, uh, they missed my your, line. Is this your like <laughs> oh, first right. drink off work, or were you lounging around today? Or? <coughs> oh no, no, it's been a busy day. Man. Okay, it's been busy, busy dealing with uh, health department stuff and helping a friend with laying out some brick, and then my wife got a flat, so Ooh. I rushed here right after fixing that flat. So now here we are. It sounds like you hit like yeah. all three categories of a honey do list. Pretty much like something in the work center, something like putting out an emergency, helping friends out. Right on. Yeah, yeah. Well, stay, trying to stay busy. Uh, <laughs> don't want to get lazy no so for for the folks that haven't been with us uh at some of our events now at triple b adventures ruben has been kind enough to cater uh some of our events and be our camp chef for some of our camp outs um so ruben thank you first of all for being on the show again and, and for supporting us with those events um what what got you into catering before we go into what you did in the marine corps uh out of the marine corps what got you cooking I basically uh, grew up, my mom had a restaurant when I was a kid, so I'd get off of school in high school and go straight to the restaurant and go cook for my mom, you know, okay. help her out. You know, she did a couple of different ways of doing briskets, more braised than uh, barbecue, but it was a Mexican restaurant, but we did all kinds of stuff there. Okay. Uh, so basically, I grew up, you know, in a restaurant and barbecuing at home, and so being from Texas myself, so. So, and so this is in Texas where you grew up? I yeah, this is, this is uh, Old Paso, Texas, yeah. Okay, okay. So you, I, I, I feel like you, you have a bigger say on all of us on what real barbecue is. Yeah, Texans are pretty big on their barbecue. You know, they, they, I feel it, we I always feel, feel like our barbecue is the best. You know, everybody else mops <laughs> their barbecue. We don't. You know, one of uh, it's funny because one of our friends, uh, Stephen Sanchez, uh, he's from Texas, but I know I know that he's from Texas, but he's like a California transplant. Um, and it's always funny seeing you Texans out here because it's you still carry that pride. <laughs> it's it's like. It's like a guide on, like you never put that shit away. Like, no, fuck yeah, Texas, so much. No, we leave everywhere we walk, Texas walks under us. So, you know, everywhere we step, there's a little piece of Texas there. You know? wow. That's awesome. I've never heard that before. <laughs> everywhere we step, there's a little piece of Texas there. I like that. Wow. And let's go back to the braised. What what makes barbecue braised? So so braising uh, is just a uh, it's a French technique. Uh, what you do Are with you braising is, is you actually stick it in some kind of liquid and then cook it in an oven covered. So the st basically what it does is steams between all the fats and the, whatever sauce you put in there, whether it's wine or beer, just all kinds of different braising liquids, and basically steams it to the point where it just falls apart. Okay. Um, that's, that's what braising is. Very cool. So uh, that's one of the techniques you can do with brisket after you smoke it, stick it in and braise it, make it yeah. fall apart, you can shred it, whatever you want with it. So what's what's your favorite liquid to braise with? Um, I use a lot of uh, like Guinness, or I'll use uh, red wine, uh, Cabernet, a good Cabernet. Okay. Really good with uh, braising stuff. So. Nice. He's been known to use ballast point before. Yes. Ding, shut yeah. ballast point. <laughs> and uh, before we forget, what are you drinking? Oh yeah, yeah. So I have here <clears throat> a uh, VFW special, a little bottle of Heineken. Nothing, nothing fancy, nothing right. crazy. 
I'm drinking American Bourbon, Maker's Mark. Nice. That's not so, the one I got. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, folks. I really hope that our listeners, like, when they're hearing this, they're sitting, like, with a cigar in hand, yeah. their favorite armchair, and they're like, oh, yeah, let me get mine, clink, clink. Right. Yeah, there's not, nothing better than a little, you know, getting a little uh, snifter with a little nice, good uh, whiskey or bourbon and a little cigar in it. Is, is that your kind of like relaxation thing? I, yeah, yeah, actually I do okay. like that. I'm not a big smoker. I, uh, I'm not either. You know, But a cigar, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll get a, a cigar every once in a while with somebody that smokes a cigar or something. I don't do it often, but it's, it's actually pretty relaxing when you do do it. You know, get a nice little whiskey, little cigar and just relax. You know? Yeah. It's definitely a manly, manly thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, something about that smell of cigar which makes you with that bourbon. Yeah. I remember one of our members, uh, Bronson, um, <clears throat> I'm, I should be his uh, his cigar apprentice because uh, that man smokes a lot of cigars. He's, he has a few friends that, that are kind of like in the community, and every now and then they've showed up to our events. They've gifted cigars, which I thought was pretty neat because some of these, they'll they'll say before they open the box, and they're like, oh, this is a Cuban so-and-so, or this is an acid. This is, and I'm like, oh, well, first of all, thank you for sharing these with us. Um, second, I hope I don't look like an idiot like puffing on this thing <laughs> as the cherry goes out in a while. But, but no, it's pretty cool, man. So, um, started doing started doing culinary stuff before before you visited. You were you were in the family's kitchen. Um, this was in Texas. When did you leave Texas? Uh, I left at the age of nineteen. I joined the Marine Corps in nineteen ninety seven. Raw February. Uh, went to boot camp here in San Diego MCRD, and got stationed here at Camp Pendleton. Okay. Ninety seven. Was that was that part of your dream sheet, or where did you where now, had you requested? You know, it? to be honest with you, even when I joined the Marine Corps, it wasn't planned out, man. I just okay. All my friends started going. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go check it out. Next thing you know, I go talk to the recruiter one day. Next thing you know, I'm in a pulley system. Yeah, you, know? <laughs> you, you, you signed one more paper than you should have. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I was in a pulley That's program. Hilarious. You know, and then uh, a year later, I took off. You know, I ended up. And and you said it, it's because all your friends were leaving. You kind of didn't have a, a plan or an idea after high school. No, or? I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So, you know, for, you know, all my family, all entrepreneurs back home in Texas, mm-hmm. my cousins, my dad, you know, everybody's been entrepreneurs. Uh, but I wanted something different. I didn't want to take over my dad's business and I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try this out. And next thing you know, I was out here in California. Things, things moved fast after yeah. the signature, huh? Yeah, it went really quick. And you said your dad's business was at the the barbecue that your mom. No, had? actually, my, that was my mom's <clears throat> business. My dad okay. had his own business. He had a construction business, so he okay. did roofing. He, you know, he did some, uh, did some sheet rocking. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Building new homes and stuff like that. Okay. Which uh, which would you prefer to go to after school, mom's business or dad's business? You know, I. I don't to know, me, it seems kind of self-explanatory. You know, I. I, I it was something, you know, back then I hated going to work with my dad in construction, you know, in Texas, 114 degrees, okay. being on a roof, you know, it was no joke, you know, and I hated it at the time. But now that I look back at it, I'm actually grateful I did it, you know. It wasn't for me, though, but, you know, I'm yeah. grateful I actually got to experience that. So then you did a little bit of both sometimes? Yeah, yeah, my, my dad, on okay. summer summertime, my dad had me working on the roofs. Uh, he had me working since I was seven years old, so, you know, he took me on construction jobs and left me there on the roof with all the other workers. <laughs> so, I mean, it was cool. You know, I learned a lot, you know. Were, were there any OSHA safety techniques? Like, did you, like, tie a rope around you or anything? Yeah, yeah. you know, there was <laughs> nothing back then, man. You talking about, you know, God, what, 80s? Yeah, <laughs> just three points <laughs> of contact. Just don't fall Stay off. Stay low, don't fall yeah. off. Don't fall off the roof, you know, you'd be good. <laughs> all right, so 
going going into the Marine Corps now, what did you do into the Marine Corps? I when I joined the Marine Corps, I went infantry. Mm-hmm. I was uh, 03. Uh, once I got out of SOI, I got sent to become an 0351, which is anti-tank and demolition, which is now phased out as of last year, I think, or this year. And anti-tank and demolition, is that like you would carry around a tow missile? or? So or I carried around a small. A I was in a line company, so okay. I carried around a small, uh, 13-pound rockets. We had HEAAs and HEDPs, uh, bunker busters, tank killers. Uh, awesome. We did breaching, so I did field expedient demolition, so we did a lot of re- demo ranges with C4, TNT, and stuff like that. It was a pretty cool MOS. Hell Just yeah. sucked when you had to keep up with all the old 311s, you know, on there, on the attack when they attach you to, because what, what happens with uh, weapons platoon, you get attached to 11s, and they're carrying little day packs, and they're doing an assault, and you're carrying your rockets, and you're carrying your small, and you know, so you have to traverse through you're all like the little ravines yeah. and all that stuff that they go through, wow. you know, so just trying to keep up with but you know, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. And awesome. you still have your hearing too. Kind of. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> kind of. On my right ear, I always failed my hearing test. So. Yeah. So yeah. Are you just really as annoyed by those commercials for for the lawsuits? The three M. I see them yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Man, it's annoying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it, 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 the thing with me is I can hear fine right now, but if there's loud noise in the background, there's I, background. it's muffled. Anytime I hear it out of here, I have to turn my ear so I can yeah. hear it out of the right ear. Or if there's background noise going on. Yeah, it just muffles everything, all the sounds. Right. The uh, the whole time, and what years were you in? <clears throat> Marine Corps, I went 97 to 2001. Uh, in 2001, I got out in February. I was going to go to, I had, I had an option of uh, going to, uh, uh, what is it, um, in, Intel? Mm-hmm. Um, they were offering me a $25,000 bonus, but me being Damn. 22 years old, I was like, yeah, I want to go do the college thing now. Yeah. <laughs> so I got out. Uh, I was going to, if I went to intelligence, I was going to become like an interrogator. So I was going to go to linguistics school and all that in Monterey. Um, but I was like, yeah, I just want to do the college thing. Well, my, my major ended up be- becoming uh, linguistics. So if I was smart enough, I would have just stayed in and take $25,000 and gone to Intel. <laughs> but long story short, I got out, went to school for a while, was working odd jobs here and there. And the 9-11 happened. I actually tried to get back to 3-5, my unit uh, in the Marine Corps. But the recruiters were like, oh, you got out once. Uncle Sam doesn't like that. It's going to take about a year for you to get in. I was walking out of the recruiting office. Army recruiters are like, hey, what happened? Don't get you. I gave, him my, my, I gave him the whole story, you know, and he's like, you give us a shot. I was like, you know what? If you can deploy me and keep me here in California, I'll do it. So he brought me in. He started talking to me, looking, and he's like, oh, we can station in Italy. I'm like, oh, I already told you I want to stay in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, well, we can put you in Fort Irwin. I'm like, San Diego. If you, have, if you don't have anything in San Diego, then forget about it. And he's like, well, let me see what I can do. And he starts calling around. He's like, hey, I got a unit in Camp Pendleton. It's a reserve unit. But if we take you there, they're getting ready to deploy if you want to deploy. <clears throat> so I was like, all right, let's go check it out. So it just turns out that in that unit, just about every uh, a lot of the guys that were former Marines. So right away I clicked, my command sergeant major, everybody was former Marines, you know. So everybody's like, hey, how's it going, blah, 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 this and that. So long story short, I ended up joining that unit. In November 2002 and February 2003, we're already deployed, going sandbox and all that stuff. So I did about, I got out in 2011 from that unit. I did multiple deployments with them all around the world and some Kuwait, Qatar, uh, Iraq. Then I went down there as a contractor to Afghanistan uh, for a uh, civilian company I was working for. And what was your your occupation the second time around? 
I was an 88 November, which is a transportation coordinator. So basically when, I guess if you want to describe it, it'd be like UPS for the Army. Okay. So whenever the Army needs to deploy, <clears throat> they send us to those units, and we make sure they're all their uh, radio frequency tags to track their equipment's ready, all their shipping labels. We do a lot of OSHA, a lot of uh, hazmat. We make sure they're all that is good, so when they get to the port, that stuff gets through. And it gets sent to the sandbox, and then we go to the sandbox and get all the stuff, the units redeploying, get all their stuff back. Uh, we did a lot of the battle damage stuff, so a lot of the blown up uh, strikers and stuff like that. We shipped back over here to Letter Kenny to a bunch of the retrograde uh, companies. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, which, that's awesome. Which kind of MOS did you like more? It seems like one would have been like a little bit more physically challenging, you know, being a Marine, hard charging and all that. Uh, but with the army, maybe a little bit more laid back, and I don't know, yeah, which, you know, <laughs> uh, no, no offense, by the way, not like laid no, back no, no, with no. the army, just no, what just you no, 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 yeah, that no. MOS. Yeah, I mean, in Marine Corps infantry, I loved it. You know, there's nothing. You know, infantry, you know, it, it's 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 a different animal. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Even compared to the rest of the Marine Corps, the infantry is a total different world. You know, it's physically demanding. It's it's hard. It's horrible. You get a lot of pain, but you love it. You know, I guess that's just what it's it is. It's a love hate. Thing. You know, yeah, exactly. You, you learn to embrace the you, suck. You, you, yeah, basically. You know, you, you go out there and you see some painful, you know, some miserable times, and then when you finish the thing, you're like, man, that was pretty cool. You know, I did all that stuff, doing cliff assaults at three o'clock in the morning. You know, forty foot cliffs. You know, doing uh, mountain warfare training, jungle warfare training, desert warfare training, uh, urban warfare. You know, I did all that stuff. Um, so I did a lot of high speed stuff. You know, uh, army. There was never training missions. Everything I did in the Army was live. There was no room for mistakes because uh, nothing was training. Uh, everything. When I got to that unit, they deployed me as a 19 Delta, which is a cap scout in the, in the Army because of my MOS and infantry. So that's how they deployed me. So I, I was never able to get promoted because I was a 19 Delta in the transportation MOS. So they never, I never got to get promoted. And there was a bunch of bureaucratic crap going on. But... You got um, the big green weenie. Yeah, basically. You know, it still chased me even though I left the Marine Corps. Well, it's <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, actually, going from Marines to Army. You have it, it in the Army, too. Is yeah. it still green? Yeah. It's like still green, though? It's still green, yeah. It's still green. No, no, it's still green, man. It's still <laughs> the same thing. It's just different different uniforms, same thing. Um, but there, you were mentioned earlier about, you know, being more laid back. It is a little more different. Infantry units are a little, in the Army, are, are different from the rest. It's like the Marine Corps and the rest of the Marine Corps. Infantry and the rest of the Marine Corps. Uh, a lot of like 10th Mountain and 82nd and a lot of those 101st, 5th group, all these guys that I got to work with, um, they're pretty disciplined, man. I was actually, you know, they, you tell them to do something, they get it done. You know, reserves are a little different. You know, uh, I'll just tell you a quick little story if I can. Please. Uh, yeah. When I came back world, from man. the first deployment to get promoted, they're like, yeah, I get an MOS qualified. So they sent me to a MOS school. And I go to that school and... I sit down, I've never been to an army school, it's my first army school, so I'm a little sergeant, you know, E5, sitting in a, in a classroom, you know, and not knowing what's going on. There's master sergeants in there, there was just a variety of ranks, right? And I'm like, man, this is kind of weird, I'm not used to this. So... Were this, they all the cadre, though? What's that? Were they all the cadre? No, no, there was students in there, there were really? master sergeants, wow. trying to get the MOS. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but I was like, whatever. So... <coughs> There was a female E4. Personally, myself being infantry, I had never worked really worked with any females, you know. So that was new to me. That was a shocker. So I kind of didn't know how to react, you know, around them. 
Um, but, you know, my head being a Marine Corps sergeant, you know, where the, you know, we discipline people, right? We're like the ones that get on people's butts, you know, and yeah. it happens. So I see this little E4 specialist in the, in the Army turns around, the master sergeant's back there, and he said something, and this girl turns around and just snaps at him. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to see my first Army ass chewing. No. <laughs> you know, I'm getting excited, right? I'm like, hey, something's going to happen here. And all the instructors sitting there, a bunch of NCOs, staff NCOs, master sergeant back, he just stayed quiet. She turned around. Nobody did anything. I'm looking around like, what's going on? Yeah. Something's wrong here. And I turn around, I look at her, go, excuse me? And she turned around like she was about to, like, mouth off to Snap me. So the, the, the NCO and me, the, the sergeant, the Marine Corps sergeant, me snapped in. And I'm like, got off of my chair and whatever and just chewed her out. Just went off on her. And uh, <laughs> she started bawling. So the instructor, hey, started bawling. You go sit down. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, I did my job. I sat down. I felt good about myself, right? Like, hey, I disciplined her. Put her in her spot. You know, so I sat down. I'm feeling good about myself. We get a break. And I messaged her and say, hey, Sergeant Maldonado, can I talk to you? I'm like, hey, what's up, Master Sergeant? You know, hey, how's it going? What's up? He's like, you know, I know you come from the Marine Corps Infantry and you guys do stuff different there. He's like, but this is the Army and that's a female and, uh, you know, and she's a soldier. I'm like, oh, what? He's like, that's a female. We don't treat our females like that in the Army. I was like, wait a minute, Master Sergeant, you know, that's a that's that's a soldier. You know, she's in a uniform. She should be respecting you. And she's like, he's like, oh, no, well, that's still a female, blah, blah. You know, we got to be sensitive about I was like, you know what, Matt Sergeant, I respect your rank, but I, won't re I don't respect you as a person. You know, I'm walk away right now. Started walking away, and he started trying to chew me out. I just kept walking. <laughs> yeah, it's like I just kept that, walking. I was like, I'm done. I kept walking. So long story short, I get back to my unit after I get my MOS. Go back to my unit. My, they call me into the office. I like, hey, uh, my, my colonel, uh, he calls me into the office. He's like, hey, what's this? What, what, what happened in school? Uh, what, what's, what's up, sir? He's like, why are they recommending your sensitivity courses? <laughs> I was like, what? Wow. He's like, your sheet is recommending we send you to sensitivity courses. So I explained to him the whole story. He just basically told me, just get out of here. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know if it was just like a reserve thing or... That, well, no, man, that, that sounds weird because that would have been in the same spot. Like for us, in the, I, I was an air winger, right? And we had female mechanics. We had female air wingers. Um, and now it would be the same. Like, you'd get chewed out, you'd get hazed, you'd get fucked with just like everybody else. Um, that's that's pretty funny, especially that they would let it happen and then afterwards go back and kind of defend the position and be like, no, she's Yeah, special. you know, and that's what I had a problem with. But, you know, I'm, I'm assuming it's not like that army-wide. I think it was just that specific incident where we're at, the environment. I, I feel like if, in, if you in wanna, the schoolhouse... The sun is shining right yeah, in I know, his I'm face. Like so, to... so, yeah, if you want to move, you can move. No, no, I'm, I'm good. And he, I, I feel like any schoolhouse would might have that kind of mindset to to be low stress for the education value of it, so they don't want you melting off at anybody. But that's fucking stupid. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing is they had me they had me uh, marching the army units. You know how we do Marine Corps cadence. They didn't understand what the hell I was telling them. You know, I tried to tell them to you know call them right, call them right, left, and even trying to call the cadence. They're like, what the hell is he saying? Like they didn't understand. Cause you, Marine Corps. The way we, we do cadence different in Marine Corps than they, they do in the Army. So let, let me let me get a, a little snippet of it. Can you remember any of it? What I'm guessing time. is maybe the, the words. The I, I think it's the way we enunciate the left and the right. Because Army actually says left and yeah, right. Yeah, we're like, left. Yeah. Left. Yeah. In Marine Corps, we don't. Right. We yeah, right. it's like some drill instructor with like dipping, like, low right, low right. <laughs> and low right, like, that's all you need. Low. Left, right, right, yeah. sure. 
<laughs> it was good times though. I don't I don't regret either one. Okay. Um out of out of those two branches of the service, was there any mission or any uh, you said you went on a few deployments once you were in the army, so not the Marines. Uh, was there any mission or deployment that kind of stuck out as you doing something cool, fun, or um, or maybe not cool, fun? Some like holy shit, I'm glad I'm alive. You know, it, it, everything was was unique. You know, mm -hmm. I never really. I mean, yeah, we we loaded ships. You know, everything was pretty cool because we loaded ships, we loaded planes, we loaded rail, loaded uh, commercial line haul trucks, you know, and stuff like that. Um, but everything that I did, I, I, I mean, I did everything from physically loading vehicles or not loading them but but supervising the load of the vehicles uh supervising the the uh loading of containers and blocking and bracing and all this stuff getting them ready for ship getting them weighed uh doing center balance for airplane airloads silly um, silly question but was the if i say a petty bone crane do you know what i'm talking about a petty bone crane petty bone crane i've never heard I, that term. no i i we use those a lot when uh when we were moving our units around uh it's just like a a crane that you can get qualified on, but it would drive around. It was like a small utility crane, but that's, right. that's a crazy thing because uh, during like uh, a war, um, or you know any of these missions, you know OIF, OEF, everything's uh, basically sent off to like civilian contractors. So a lot of the crane operators and a lot of the forklift drivers and all that stuff are all civilian. So we don't really mess with the cranes. We just load our vehicles. Even the the, the loading, a lot of times we use commercial, uh, civilian ships, we use civilian uh, trucks, we use the trains, we except for the planes, we load C-17s, and C-130s, C-5s, stuff like that. Okay. Um, and now kind of getting getting to the end of your time in the service, uh, did you want to get out? Uh, were you forced to EAS, or, or what was kind of that exiting point like? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a bittersweet. Um, I wanted to stay in, uh, but I was in Afghanistan as a uh, civilian contractor, as a DOD contractor working for a civilian company. Doing the same thing? like Basically logistics. doing the same thing, but as a civilian. Mm -hmm. Of course, okay. making more money. Yeah. Um, Which is always nice. Yeah. You know, so I was traveling around Afghanistan from FOB to FOB, you know, helping uh, getting Army units set up with all their systems, tracking uh, BCS-3, TCA, stuff like that. Um, and what happened when I was over there is I did all my time with this. this the way it works with a uh, reserve unit if you can't be there because of stuff like this, right? You're a civilian and I'm getting deployed by my civilian unit. I can go to my unit, my military unit, and do all my reserve time ahead of time and do a week of active duty. And I've done my time for the year so I can go do my civilian job. That's cool. Okay. So mm -hmm. I did all that. I get deployed. I'm out in Afghanistan. And the commander that was there, the new commander, uh, sends me an email. So he's going to process me out of the unit because... I haven't done a PT test. So he's asking wow. me to do a PT test, and I'm like, I'm in Afghanistan doing my job. I can't, you know, we work 18-hour shifts. You know, we work long shifts. We don't yeah. have to work 18-hour shifts, but the way things work out there, you know, you, you do extra time, you know, to help units out. Um, there's no hourly job. You know, you don't work from 9 to 5. You're working whatever hours you it's, have it's to work. It's yeah, war. It's war. You know, there's no hours. Um, but he wanted me to take a PT test. And I was like, I can't. You know, I'm on my company time. I can't. Go and take a PT test. I go, besides, who am I going to go take a PT test with? Oh, just go one of the units and do a PT test, have them administer it. I'm like, I can't. I can't tell them. Like, I'm going to go take a PT test. I'll be back. Yeah. So he processed me out of the <clears throat> unit. I got a little bitter, wow. so I never went back. So I finished at 15 years. That's crazy. 
that that is. And it's, I'm, fucking they never kind of like let you argue it, rebuttal it. That's no. Basically, all you said is that when you come back, you can you can reenlist. Wow. <laughs> That's what I was told. So I was a little bitter, so I wasn't going really back <clears> to the unit. A lot of good people in that unit. Don't get me wrong, but just I don't know. It's just a personal pride, I guess thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially because kind of like you were saying, you I'm sure you wanted to finish out your time. You were enjoying yeah, exactly. What you I mean, were fifteen doing, years, so. you know. Yeah, fifteen years, five more. I, you know, right. Get a good letter, you know, stuff like Damn. that. I was probably doing more time. Way to make an exception, Army. Right. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'm actually thinking of going back, like maybe National Guard sometime. Yeah. Okay. They're the ones that'll take me now. I'm 42, so. Will this still take you? Yeah, I think so. That's what I was told. Well, because they'll count your your time in. I I, I don't know how it works, but they, I, they I was like told that National from Guard be like the only ones that take me in now. That I'm 42. I think it's great that you've done all this and you still, you know, feel the fight and you like, hell yeah, 42, I can still do yeah, more. No, I'll just run to my body breaks. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can give them a two for one. We both. We let's both. go. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. That's, that's funny. Um, all right. So before before we move on to, to the next set of questions, you know, you transitioning, uh, a few <clears> rapid <throat> fire questions from your time in the service. Um Seeing how you had that experience, that background at least, where you grew up at your mom's kitchen and, and you're still involved in the culinary world, looking back, what was your best and worst chow hall meal? I'm talking if like some slop that just like stuck in your head that you were like, uh, or you were one of those guys that liked chicken cordon bleu. No, chicken cordon bleu. No, I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, I did. I'm sorry. I did. I did like chicken cordon bleu. I, th- I thought it was because. I had never heard about it before. Like, we never had anything similar to that in Colombia. So, to me, it was, like, novelty. It was, like, yeah. And then after a while, yeah, no, I got sick of it, too. No, I, I think I, most of the times if I did go to the chow hall, I'd probably go through the fast food line, you know, get a burger or something. And even still, then, it was, like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe because I got stuck in KP duty at times, you know, and I had to work in that kitchen. I didn't want to eat there. But I would eat there. I used my meal card. Every once I was a single Marine, you know, so I'd go get my meal card. <laughs> uh but most of the time, I probably go eat like a Subway or something. Okay, right on, um, right on. Get a sandwich or go out in town and get some orange. I, I got addicted to orange chicken the first time I had orange chicken. <laughs> yeah. I think I had orange chicken for like a month straight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Orange chicken is definitely addicting. <laughs> um, MRE, a favorite MRE. <clears throat> you know, MRE, I'd have to say, is the Four Fingers of Death, the Beef Frankfurters. Beef Frankfurters? It, yeah, I actually like the beef, beef frankfurters. You, you never had that? No, no. I've never had really? it either. Wow. When did you guys come in, man? Uh, I <laughs> was from uh, 2000, 2005. Damn. And I was 2009. Oh, you guys had the yeah. new MRE. See, I, when I came in, we used to have the dark brown sleeves, you know. So we used to have, like, the beef frankfurters. And we called it Four Fingers of Death because that was the only <laughs> thing that was good in that, that MRE. was the four <laughs> hot dogs that were in there for, for you know, beef frankfurters. The rest of the meal sucked. Did know? it come with like a bread? bread right, uh, I can't remember what it came with. Like it came with like some crappy. It was a crappy meal, but that was the only thing that was good in that meal. Uh, okay. <laughs> and we always traded the jalapeno cheese. That was the newest thing back. Right, then. right. Yeah, no, everybody would wrap fucking shit, trade the ingredients around. Um, I'm actually curious because I've never heard of it. I'm kind of curious now. Beef Frankfurters. What's yeah. your What's your favorite? Uh, mine never gonna change. Chili Mac. Chili Mac. I was always. Dude, that should give you heartburn Mac all fan. the time, man. I, I I don't think it ever did for me, uh, but I, I would be the one that would, like, give up my cheese spread. Like, you want my, uh, what was it, that that sweet pumpernickel bread or whatever, the, the poppy seed bread. I would trade everything for Chili Mac. Like, we ate that stale oh. square bread. That's all yeah, we had yeah. in our <laughs> 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 It 
We didn't All have right. a pumpernickel. You guys got a little sophisticated. I never got pumpernickel either. But. It, it wasn't, I, I guess I meant to say the the poppers, the poppy seed. I just remember it was like one of the sweet loaves of bread. Well, when I was coming out, I remember all the new MREs coming in. They're coming like burritos and enchiladas and they had tortellini. I was like, whoa, you know, those are pretty cool. The cheese tortellini, that's, that's, that's another that was one, my yeah. favorite. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was actually pretty good. Actually, you know what? Th- this one just came up uh, on the subject of MREs. <coughs> uh, as a chef, what would be an MRE that you would create? An MRE that I would create. Or, or maybe one that you would remake. Something smoked, man. So, okay. There you go. <laughs> I like that this is a kind of like your meat. signature smoked with it. I'm with it. Pork. You could do smoked, and then you could set it up with uh, the chemical pack and braise it. There you go. Yeah. You steam it. Yeah. Dude, Dude, actually, Dude. If, imagine if you could like sit down and, and plan that out so you could have actual smoked Well, uh, If MREs. you think about it, the, the whole purpose of MREs is the calorie intake, right? Right. Because I mean, you're out in the field, 2,800 calories per MRE. You want to you want you want calories? Eat some southern food, man. You know, eat some some cornbread, eat some you know mac and cheese, you know all that stuff. You want calories? Eat one of those meals. Man. I like that. We, we're doing a new pitch to uh, <laughs> to whoever makes MREs. They got to be southern MREs now. And, and the funny thing is too, a lot of people don't realize those MREs aren't supposed to be one meal. That's supposed to be like a full day. Yeah. A full day's meal. One MRE? Yeah. It's not like supposed to be out. just one. Well, There's maybe, so much maybe, calories maybe in a, it. A lot of us have problems with our digestive <laughs> system now. Right? You, you'd rack fuck your way through, like, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with, like, two MREs. Maybe so, even three if you were But see, that, that was even the thing. When I was in the infantry, we never really carried a full MRE. We would turn around and we'd you'd take one spoon. we yeah. field strip it. You know, we just bring the things we want, put them in our bags, and the rest of the stuff gets thrown out. Except for the hot sauce. <laughs> got to put hot sauce in there. Right. So I got a question for you. Um... What are your thoughts? Have you heard that they want to do, they want to have keto? They want to have the soldiers oh, on keto. I read about that. So, what are your thoughts for I think that's soldiers ridiculous. and Marines on, on keto? I think that's ridiculous. Because it'd be hard to do, or? Yeah, especially like out in the field. How are you going to do keto out in the field? Right. And not just that, the cost effectiveness of it, it's going to be way too expensive. For, for those that aren't too savvy, can you kind of give us a quick glaze over what consists of a, a keto diet or what makes it a keto diet? So from my understanding, it's basically protein, a lot of protein, uh, basically all natural stuff. There's no there's no breads, there's no flour, there's no none of that stuff. I mean, you but can have fats animal okay, fats. Yeah, right? like animal fats, like bacon. You can have all the bacon you want. Uh, it's basically all like natural stuff, natural fats. So I guess lard would be good to cook with in keto diet. Okay. Interesting. So I I, th- I think that would not be cost effective. I don't think it'd be good. Yeah, I'm. I'm and I, and the I think same you need mindset. carbs. I mean, I mean, you can get carbs from vegetables, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know, if you're, I think if you you're rucking twelve miles, yeah, I you mean, need we used to do twenty-five milers. You, you need right. to have some kind of carb, you know, in your system. Yeah. And to change the whole the whole troops diet I mean yeah well and it's not just gonna be like you can't just change <clears throat> what you eat in in uniform right I mean you have to change your whole life I right mean, keto is not like a diet like I'm on a diet I'm on a keto diet it's it, it's a lifestyle so you got to change the way you eat that means at home you know you have to change your everything in your fridge you know and that's kind of hard especially for somebody that's married and has got kids and they want cereal and they want bread and they want all these things you know it's kind of hard to at least for me anyways yeah, that's what discipline for a lot of us. Yeah, it'd be hard for me. I mean, I try to eat as healthy as I can, but sometimes it's hard when I see my family eating burritos, and <laughs> tacos. You know, that's funny. So you try to eat healthy, but you're you're cooking all these uh, wonderful meats and 
Yeah, you know, but those meats aren't that bad. Protein isn't bad for you. Right. You know, it, it's it's the sugars and the the uh, those crazy carbs, you know, that, okay. that really hurt you. Because I actually went on a kick where I was eating. I got I got sick earlier in the year and I ended up in the hospital. And I ended up having to change my whole diet, you know. I was eating whole grain bread with avocado and eggs and tomatoes and Everything was healthy, and it lasted for a while. I actually went from a size 40 pants at 36. I'm still at 36 now, but it's just so hard, you know, to keep up, especially when everybody around you is eating tacos and, you know, rice, and, and it's just, eventually you just fall off the wagon, you know. And I still try to do it every once in a while. I still have whole grain bread at home instead of regular bread. Yeah. But it's just so hard, man. It's, it's difficult. So whole grain is worse than regular? regular no, no, bread? flour, like regular bread is, is worse for you. You can eat whole grain. Oh, okay. You can eat whole grain stuff. It's actually not that bad for you. I, I, I sympathize with what you're saying and it being hard because for me it's, it's, it's three times a day that you have to fail. Like you're supposed to get these three perfect meals or, or whatever it is that you're trying to do, whatever it is, the, the diet that you're trying to stick through. It's three times in a day that you can cheat. You know, that's, well, that's to me what makes it hard. I just, I was eating... Breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, you know, snack. and trying to eat, you know, and try and drink water, you know, and then you see sodas, you know, and then you see alcohol, and you see, you know, it's like, oh, man, yeah, it gets hard, but some people are disciplined enough to do yeah. it, I guess. So what are your thoughts then on, like, intermittent uh, fasting? Well, if you think about it, we all fast, right, already. Um, that's why it's... That's why it's called breakfast, because it's you're breaking your fast. Okay. You know, if you stop eating eight o'clock at night, you're fasting until you eat breakfast the next morning. Yeah. So we all fast. It's something we do. That's why yeah. it's called breakfast, because you're breaking your mm-hmm. fast. Nice. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. So everybody that's, that's does cool. it. You know, it's just it, fasting is not hard. I mean, you go to sleep. You're fasting. Yeah. You're not eating. Your body's still functioning. Uh, but I mean, I think fasting. It's like a yo-yo, right? Like you stop eating. And then you gorge, and then you stop eating, and then you gorge. You know, like Ramadan, right? Like when I, I was in mm. Egypt during Ramadan, and these people we were riding in cars, and drivers are driving and falling asleep behind the wheel because they haven't eaten <laughs> all day long. They have, you know, they can drink water, I'm assuming, but they can't eat anything, so they're falling asleep all day long. And then they go have this huge party with all this food, this big feast, and they just gorge, and then they fast again, and they go through it for a whole month, man. It's crazy. I think that's. I think that's pretty unhealthy. Yeah, I was I was in Baghdad on a on a security detail, and uh, I almost caused an international incident because it was during Ramadan. And I'm I'm chowing away. I didn't know any better, and this guy <laughs> comes and he starts talking to me. He's like, you know, we start talking, sharing photos and stuff, and then I offer him some food, and he was weak. He's like, yeah, he's taking the food, and then his buddy came over. His buddy got all pissed. Oh. His buddy starts like beating the shit out of him and then he's like yelling at me he's like what are you doing i'm like hey i didn't know it's not my (laughs) culture you know i'm helping you out i'm i'm actually delivering supplies to you you know but i can only imagine how crazy that would look too like i just tried giving him food and now he's getting beat up like what's going on to anybody that that wouldn't understand the the cultural cues there I'm gonna turn on the lights and, and I just want to apologize too. I got something in my throat this whole no, no, this whole up. episode. I've been clearing, but I'm gonna turn on the lights. Um, so Ruben, <coughs> now now we're gonna switch over into a little bit of the transition. Um, did you <coughs> have a plan for what job you wanted to have when you got out, or, or you said that you know it was it was bittersweet because 
you were in a sense forced out or, or you knew that when you came back that you'd have to re-enlist, start the process all over again. So, so what did you think of to do when you were out? So, so my second time when I got out, it wasn't that difficult because I already had a job. Mm-hmm. And I was in a reserve unit just on active duty a lot, multiple times. Um, but it was a lot, a little easier for me because I already had a civilian job. I had a deal. I was a DOD contractor, so when I got processed out, I still had my job. So when I came home, I was already doing my job in Afghanistan when I got processed out. So when I came back, I still had a job, so it was no big deal. Uh, That's awesome. My, my first enlistments were I really hurt. You know, being an infantry guy. You know, I went over coming off active duty from three five. You know, they tell me, hey, go to the OD on Saturday. I can't remember what day it was. Like, go to the OD. You know, you get your DD 214s. I go over there, report to him. He's like, hey, uh, I'm EAS. And he's like, all right, here, sign this. Signed it. He's like, all right, bye. There, there and were I was any, like, like <clears throat> EAS conferences. Like, no, no, hey, there was no think? party. You know, there's like, hey, College, thank you for your service. You know hey, you know, there's nothing going on. You know, it's just, here's your DD 214. Bye. And I'm walking back to my barracks and the whole, you know, walking back from the OD down to my barracks to my car. I'm thinking, like, what do I do now? Uh, I got nothing lined up. I got, you know, I'm a grunt. You know, where am I going to work? You know, so I ended up, uh, I ended up sticking around for a while. I uh, went, I did odd jobs. You know, I was working. I got a, a job as a waiter, and I was working for heating, air conditioning. I was a bartender. I was just and, going, and this was around Pendleton, correct? This was all down here, down south, okay. down in San Diego. Uh, Chula Vista, you know, uh, Kearney Mesa, just all these areas right here. I was just doing jobs here and there, trying to figure out what the hell I was doing. Uh, and the whole time, I went through a depression. I think about six months. It took me about six months where I was drinking heavily just about every day, and I was just spiraling, spiraling. You know. I remember at, at times, like, crying in the middle of the night, like, what the hell am I going to do? What am I doing? You know, I just left the Marine Corps. I was a sergeant. I was in charge of Marines. I was doing things. I was somebody there. I hear, I'm nobody. I'm a damn waiter. You know, it's like nothing against waiters. Right. You know, but it was just a thing that that, that shock, you know, and I didn't and I found that I didn't fit in because civilians have a ways of doing things and you know, especially in the grunts, we have ways of doing things in the grunts. You know, when we say something, like I'm gonna rip your fucking head off. <laughs> right? We don't mean I'm really gonna rip your head off, but you say that in the civilian world and they look at you like, What the hell's wrong with yeah. you? You know, and that happened to me uh, when I was working as a bartender where a uh he was a new host. I didn't know who the guy was. He kept walking in the bar, and he'd look at me. He's like, I'm going to kick your ass today after work. I'm looking at him like, is he talking to me? I'm like, the hell, who the hell is the guy? He walk out. The other bartender's like, whatever. So I shook it off. It happened a few times. To finally, I just snapped. You know, and I rushed through the double doors, rushed at the guy, grabbed him by the collar, slammed him into the wall. I had my face literally in his face. Like a, and I told him, I go, you fucking don't stop this shit. I'm going to rip your fucking head off. My veins are popping. You know, I could feel that frustration, right, that anger. And the other bartender comes out and pushes me off of him. He's like, hey, dude. He's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, so I just went back into the bar. Like nothing, right? It just turned off. And I went back in there. The guy, I don't know what happened. There. I don't remember what happened to the guy. That's how you know, angry You're I was. up, obviously. Uh, and I go back into the bar. And I felt the bartender staring at me. And I'm like, what? He's like, are you serious, bro? I'm like, what? He's like, were you really literally going to rip this guy's head off? I'm like, no, why? He's like, dude, your veins are popping in your forehead, dude. You look crazy, dude. I go, nah, man. He's like, and the crazy thing is you're just like, now you're like, fine, dude. Right now, <laughs> yeah. back there, you literally, your veins right. are popping, you know, you're red. And now you're just like, nothing happened. <laughs> that's awesome. You got so, that switch. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's what we did in the Marine Corps. You know what I mean? You 
boom, you you switch it and you switch it back off. You know, that's just the way we did things. That's how we disciplined. Yeah. Um, but in the civilian world, they look at that and they're like, this guy's freaking nuts. Yeah. You know, so I had a hard time adjusting because of stuff like that. The way we talk, the way we say things, you know, just the little things we say. I had a hard time with that stuff. I got in trouble a few times. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that. I, uh, <clears throat> I had this bartending job. It was um, at this restaurant. It was a fine dining restaurant, that, and we did martinis and wine and then high-end uh, restaurant, too. And I was bartending, and this, uh, this server came up. And she's like, I, I need I need my uh, Clos de Bois, or I need you know my Merlot, or whatever it was. She's like, it's an emergency. These people are in a hurry. I'm like, hold on a second. Like, I had a full bar. I had other servers' tickets to prepare. I'm like, you want to know what an emergency is? <laughs> I'm like, no. And then she never, she's like the same thing. She must have saw that like my veins were popping. I didn't say anything to her. It's a chick, you know? But it was my all veins, visual. Yeah. I'm like, in your head, I'm you like, killed her. I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, are you serious? This is not an emergency. Yeah. Crazy. So where, where did Smoke and Aces uh, come out of this transition? Uh, how many jobs did you hold before you were like, I'm going to have my own job. I'm going to be my own boss. So quite a bit. Um, I went in and out of jobs. You know, uh, I didn't, I mean, I worked for SDGME. I was a bartender. I was a waiter. I was working for heating and air conditioning. Um, Just collecting experience. You know, DOD contract. I mean, I'm a jack of all trades. You know, I've done it. software development. I've done all kinds of stuff. Damn. Um, and then I, when I was working as a DOD contractor, I was like, you know what? There's a lack of good barbecue in California, in Southern California. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do a test, and I'm going to create this company, and I'm going to put it out there. It basically started off as just a test bed. But, you know, I, I did this, let people taste it, and when they started getting good feedback from it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start doing this part-time. So I started my company, and I was doing events. I was still working as a DOD contractor here in San Diego, but I was – doing little events on the weekends for, you know, I did a few for IBM, you know, companies, backyard parties, stuff like that. And I was doing it fine, and then layoffs started coming. So I jumped from one company to another company, survived for another three years, and then finally caught up to me and I got laid off there. Um, and that's when I decided to go to culinary school. Uh, I went to culinary school, graduated from there. Then I got another job uh, working as a customer service manager at a uh, car dealership I lasted there for about a year maybe and then they laid me off so finally I got tired of being laid off so I was like you know what I'm just going to this full-time went to full-time been working on it and money wasn't that great because catering is like up and down you know sometimes you have a job sometimes you don't so I decided to go to school full-time so now here we are going to school full-time and doing this full-time so you know it's picking up it's doing good so Except for the new policies I found out about today. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, California. <laughs> and then, so you're doing school full time. Is it back to the culinary arts or is it something, no. something different? No. <laughs> Actually, <coughs> uh, spring 2020, I should be getting an associate's in administration of justice. Okay. Uh, and then hopefully transferring to a state university with SSDSU or whichever state university and uh, completing a criminal justice degree. What do, you, what do you want to do with that? I have no idea. DEA or like yeah um, anything really I mean 
I really don't know. I haven't planned that far ahead. Okay. I, I've never really been that guy like, oh, I'm going to plan all these things out. But what you do know? you have thoughts of? Is it thoughts of police or thoughts of SWAT or CIA? Or well, unfortunately, <laughs> I, I think now because I'm 42, there's a lot of agencies won't take me because of my age. You'll get a waiver because of military. Well, I think I think that just happened recently because um, as of last year, they weren't accept, accepting anybody over over 40 now but they will I, yeah there's there's a guy do you this, know Pat? this suit the suit uh the cia guy? cia yeah he sued the cia because he was over 40 and they didn't accept well him. there's a guy in our in our group that's uh cia and and he says that we can we can work for them really yeah if you have former right. service i have to get your number from yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll introduce you you probably saw him actually i introduced you at uh the camp out he was a okay. tall guy he was a tall guy he was he had the Harley that we had to jumpstart that day. Yeah, yeah, I remember him. But uh, he's a real good dude. He's former Army, too. He's Army EOD. Okay. And, uh, yeah, if you want to get in, in the DA, DEA. Yeah. Well, I have a friend that works yeah. for DEA. Um, she was working on some stuff for me, but it fell through. So they were going to publicly, they were going to put out to the public and then decide to hire within. So that's out the door right now. So uh, right now I'm just concentrating on getting, getting my degrees done. Yeah. Uh, Smart. Once I get my degrees done, we'll see where it takes me from there. Um, I'm still gonna continue with smoking Aces barbecue. Though. Yeah, that's about saying California it's pretty, needs pretty good. We, California we needs good barbecue. That. Yeah. Um, one thing that I didn't ask uh, throughout the podcast, you you are a family man, Ruben. Um, when did that kind of happen throughout all of this? Uh, well, I got married. Mm, well, been 14 years now, so 2004. Congratulations. Thank you. Gonna be 15 this year. <laughs> it went by quick. Uh, I got married when I was 28. Uh, dated it's a good age. my wife about two years, and then we split up while I was deployed. Came back about a year later, started talking again. And then we got married. I was in making my own wedding. I was in. Uh, I was actually on active duty at the time with an army unit. I was in Alaska, and I was supposed to come back to get married, but somehow they're like, "Oh, you can't go now." But I had a good first sergeant that. You know, he said, nope, we promised him he was going to go home. He's going to go home. So I ended up coming home, got home like a day before my wedding. Wow. Had to get my blues done and everything over there to get married in my blues. Came down here, got married. Two days later, I was in Germany. <laughs> so Dang. to this day, I still have my wife a honeymoon. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. <laughs> so I think for our 15th oh. year, I'm going to do something good for her. I hope you're saving up. Yeah. That's a different story. But. <laughs> that's that's pretty cool. That's Especially that she kind of like... Uh, awaited for you or you guys had that breakup of, but still were able to find each other again um, I feel like a lot of people don't have that that success story with um, deployments and relationships it's like one and done like a- after the first breakup there usually isn't a, a reconciliation I guess is what I'm saying so that's pretty yeah cool. you know it, it ended because of me you know when I was deployed I was stressed out you know and this and that and you know she's gonna do what she's doing we're dating she had no reason why not to go out with her friends and me I was like where are you going why are you doing you know I'm calling you at three o'clock in the morning it was my fault you know it was me my insecurities got to me and we kind of went off and she broke up with me so I was like all right whatever you know so we stopped talking it just so happened though that I still had some of my stuff at her house <laughs> so when I came back from deployment I had to go pick it up and yeah, talk to her to mom call. well yeah I had to call her and <laughs> talk to her mom you know picked up my stuff and then we started talking a little later after that. I was in Hawaii at the time her mom probably called her up. She's like, Ruben's looking really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had, we actually had a pretty, that was the first time I ever met her mom. So we actually sat down and had a good conversation um, about her, you know. 
Very cool. Um, so it turned out pretty good. And it turned out for the <coughs> best. You know, my wife's a trooper. You know, she's been hung in there. She's been through some rough, rough times, you know, being deployed. Not deployed with the Army. I got deployed for two years at a time. So I do a year traveling the world, deploying units into the sandbox. And then we spend a, a year over there getting units back, back to back to Conus. So I'd be gone for two years Damn. at a time. So she stuck through, so she, you know, she's a keeper. Yeah, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. And uh, you guys have how many kids together? We have uh, two biological and one stepson. You know, I always, okay. I always treat him as my son. You know, yeah. I had him since he was four years old, so you know, I always see him as my son. Uh, but biologically, two, and then my third one. So we have three total. All right. And it was your son's uh, graduation party. Yeah, like exactly. Just yeah, a, yeah, just yeah. a couple of weeks ago. That, yeah. was, that was a good party, man. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It, you know, I'm proud of that kid. You know, he's, he's got everything he's been through, you know, um, to still graduate. You know, in two years, got out of uh, Grossmont College with two degrees. Nice. You know, transferring to SDSU this next semester. So He's doing uh, business management? Yeah, biz, business administration. Business administration. Yeah. You guys are, are you guys both going to state? Yeah. It's funny, even here at Grossmont, because I grew up at Grossmont, too, so yeah. we had some classes together, because uh, before really? I changed my mar- my uh, major, my major was marketing, so we actually sat through some classes together. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. So we'd work on projects together and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Would, would he, like, choose to suit next to you, or would you, like, surprise him when you are in the class, or? No, no, we knew, because okay. his mom... Um, his mom used to work at uh, Southwestern College, and she used to be, like, one of the people helping people with their scheduling and stuff like that. So she still knows all that stuff. So when we sit down, she just tells me, what do you need to take? And I show her my ed plan. She's like, okay, you're going to take this, 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 and this. And then she sees what my son's got to do. He's like, okay, you're going to take this, this, and this. You guys can take these classes together. And she just works out her schedule. And I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. Oh, yeah. It's like having your own counselor at home. Yeah. Your, your nice. stuff, so. one, one thing through, throughout this episode, and I want to say, um, props to you for being a lively individual. I think there's a lot of people that uh, they stick to one career. They stick to one uh, enlistment. They stick to one, you know, of, of many things. Uh, but it seems like you you've tried out a lot of things, and that's that's yeah. pretty cool to to have that. Just kind of like you said earlier, a, a jack of all trades of, of several things. Yeah, I, I, and I don't think it's on purpose. I think um, for me, my my brain spins at 100 miles an hour. You know, we're sitting and talking. And I was trying to explain to somebody the other day, the way my brain works is, somebody's telling me about a, a a problem they have in my head is already spinning on how to do something to like business wise, right? Like. I'm going to create a business to fix that issue. And that's how my brain uh, works. So a lot of times when I'm working on something, I get bored. I'm like, okay, I need to do something different. So I, I jump to something different. Nice you know? So like, that's how my whole life has been. I'm just like all over the place. But, you know, you got one life. You know, why mm-hmm. stick, it with, stick to just one thing? You know, I'm a firm believer. You know, when, I, when I go to my grave, I just want to go and say, hey, you know what? I did everything I wanted to do. And now I can die, you know, happy. There's no regrets. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it seems you have all this, all these different skills and all these different activities, but food always brings you back. Yes, food yeah. keeps you grounded. It, food, food is my passion. You know, I, uh, shows. I love to eat it. You know, but I also love to cook it. You know, I love creating dishes. I love, you know, one of the things, one of my satisfactions from cooking is watching people enjoy the food. You know, uh, when I was in culinary school, one of uh, you know my instructor, a uh, good friend of mine now, uh, former Navy EOD. Um, he used to tell me, he's like, don't tell me the bullshit about, you know, you if, if you're in the kitchen because you like to see people enjoy the food. He's like, you'll never see that because you're stuck in the kitchen in the back. 
I was like, yeah, but I'm a caterer. I'm not a, you know, I worked in restaurants mm-hmm. and I, I can understand what he's saying, you know, because I worked in restaurants and fine dining and uh, farm to table restaurants. And it's true. You're in the back. You never see the customer, right? Yeah. If you're going to work in a kitchen like a slave away, you know, just cutting, cooking, doing all this stuff in the back. Yeah. You're never going to see your customer. But when I cater, I get to meet my customer and I get to talk to them and I get to interact with my customer. So, you know, that, to me, that's that's my satisfaction. I think that's why I like catering more than working in a restaurant. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I have a, a few more <clears throat> questions kind of in the, the culinary realm so we can close out the episode. Um, first one, as a caterer, what do you wish people knew before they called you? Um, and this question is kind of coming from me as an event planner. I've, I've spoken to multiple caterers, so I know what you guys need to know ahead of time, but just kind of for the audience for next time they call you up so they don't waste your time. Um, I guess one of the biggest issues I have and not an issue it's just people don't realize like what i'm doing with food you know when i'm smoking meats for 18 hours you know the way you have to price something is got to look at okay how long is it taking me to cook Mm -hmm. how much is it costing me to cook this meat you know and then after that you have to work out your profit you know and it isn't profit in your pocket that profit goes to pay my insurance uh pay uh, my commissary pay my permits yearly you know all that stuff um, and then whatever is left, yeah, it goes to pay my bills at home. You know, I make a living off of this thing. So when I give people a price, and I tell people straight off the bat, I'm not the cheapest guy out there, you know, because of the way the style I'm cooking, it costs more. Uh, so I got to charge them a certain price. Uh, I'm all, but if I had if I had to tell people to understand one thing is, is try to read up or study up on how I'm <coughs> cooking meats so they understand why I'm charging what I'm charging. Uh, it's not because ah, I think I'm, my food's great and I want to make a lot of money. No, I'm, I'm, you know, working to pay my bills. You know, that's it. I'm putting food on the table and stuff like that. And you have a niche market. Yes. You're you're a high end. Yes. Barbecuer. Yes. We don't. You know? I don't just do you know your barbecue and slab. You know whatever. Throw that on there. I I actually do a lot of stuff from scratch. Um, so we do. I do my own vinaigrette. So we do like some nice salads with strawberries and. You know, I try to do a little high-end stuff, make it a little better. Um, you know, our rubs, I make my own rubs. Uh, we braise. We, I, I, so basically what I did is, is I took the stuff I learned in culinary school and trying to implement it into barbecue. So, you know, I'm doing barbecue, but I'm actually trying to put a little little twist to it, a little culinary flair to it, you know, making my own sauces, not sticking to the regular barbecue sauces, but... Uh, you know, trying to do something different, like some braising liquids, uh, different styles, different different things, and to give it more flavor. Maybe Dude, you got me with that braise. <laughs> no, that's that's all I'm gonna do is braise, man. It's yeah, well, one of the things I do with my brisket now is we smoke it, and then I braise it. I bring some uh, brisket sauce from Texas. Uh, every time I go to Texas, I bring two, three gallons of that sauce and I bring it over here, and I use some of that liquid with orange and stuff, and then stick that in the oven and braise my brisket so that it's nice and tender. Yeah, that's that's how you know you have a good chef, a good caterer if he travels for his ingredients. Right, <laughs> right. Well, I haven't been able to find that stuff out here, so. I mean, it's like a like a twelve, fourteen hour trip. It's twelve hour drive, yeah. Yeah, back to El Paso. Yeah, twelve yeah. hours. I've I've made that trip to El Paso. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I love yeah. being on the road. I love driving. All right. Yeah, I love I love being on the road. So you don't get to cook while you're on the road, though. No, but you know you get to enjoy the views, right? Like you right. driving down the I-10, you see those far, you know, lands out there. You can see the rain sometimes out, rainstorms out in, out there. You can smell it. I just love that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I just love the outdoors. 
Um, as far so you're smoking aces, and from what I understand, your your particular technique is smoking meats. Correct. Um, if it were to come down to barbecue versus grilling versus smoking, um, so you obviously prefer smoking, but can you differentiate some of those other two for for the audience? Yeah, I think mostly is temperatures. Um, grilling, you're you know I think it, back back remember it's three fifty and above for grilling. Um, Barbecuing is between, what would I say, 250, 350 maybe? And then smoking, uh, for me personally, my sweet spot is 180. So I smoke my meats at 180 degrees. So like a pulled pork, a pork butt, will take me eight hours to smoke. Uh, brisket's 18 hours. Uh, if I'm cooking at a higher temperature, they'll cook faster. But to... It well, won't be as tender, right? Exactly. So, so to me, when you're cooking, especially beef, like lean meats, stuff like that, if you cook them too fast, they get chewy and they get hard. So, one of the reasons why you do slow and low, that slogan slow and low, which actually one of my slogans. Low and slow. I yeah. love it. You love know, it, it's you're doing low temperatures for long hours, because what that does is breaks down the fibers. You know, it so it makes it real tender. You don't get. That's how you get like like tough cuts to be real tender. So you have okay. to do them slowly. Because if you do them too quick, it's just going to turn into a ball of rubber. Um, so I, I think that to differentiate all the different styles, is, it's, I think it's, it's just the temperatures. Grilling, you know, above 350 if you want to grill because you're doing hot, high heat, so you're grilling chicken. You know, you can cook chicken an hour, maybe less, 45 minutes. And I just, I, I think those were imp important to uh, differentiate because I feel like coming off of 4th of July, there was a lot of people that were probably, you know, standing around with a little uh, flipper, their little spatula, thinking they were kind of the grill, and it's like, you didn't smoke, you didn't it, barbecue, you just grilled, you had hot dogs on there, you didn't do all that. Like, yeah, I mean, it's still grilling, it's, it's it still is. grilling. I mean, you're putting hot dogs and burgers on, it's still grilling. You're still doing high heat, you know, doing meats. Um, but one thing I've learned from my travels around the world, I mean, I've been all over, you know, all over the Middle Eastern, all over Europe, all over the Asian countries, um, and every culture has their style of barbecue. They don't may not call it barbecue, but it's still the same thing. Koreans, right. Japanese, uh, <clears throat> you know, Thailand. You go to Europe, they got their ways of doing stuff. You got Egypt, they got their ways of, you know, doing what's barbecue, but it's not called barbecue. It's something that Afghanistan, you know, do the same things. Um, but it's all the same thing, man, cooking, cooking over an open flame. I've seen some uh, pretty wild ones on, uh, on, like, random YouTube videos where, uh, I want to say it's it's Samoan or American Samoan, kind of some some Islander culture, um, but they'll do the uh, they'll they'll smoke them in the ground, mm -hmm. like they'll dig a pit, they'll lay the down emu. like palm leaves, mm -hmm. then the meat, then they'll put on some coals, then they'll lay on like other layers, and a day later they slowly start pulling mm -hmm. it all off, and it's just beautiful seeing that meat come out. Yeah, you know, and, and that's that's crazy because uh, uh, Mexican culture does that too. Okay, uh, we do that with goat. We stick it in the ground. Yeah, uh, yeah, basically birria, but we stick it in the ground. You dig a hole, stick it in the ground, put it in there, cook it in there. Um, so a lot of these cultures are very. If you think they do a lot of the same things, you just call it something different. Mm -hmm. Like an emu, they it's use true. in Texas. We even do uh, pork. We'll put burlap and wet it. We basically what we do is big, dig a big pit, put some river rock, burn a bunch of wood in it, uh, put the pig in there. Once the it's all ambers or a bunch of coals or whatever. You put the pig in there, covered in burlap. You know, put burlap all around it, and you put your marinade or whatever you want in it. Cover it up. Come back next day, dig it back up, take it out, and your pig is cooked. 
So does the burlap like stick to the stick to the no, skin? No, it's wet, so it keeps that moisture in there, so it keeps it from from drying out. Okay. Okay. And it protects it from any any dirt, all yeah. the burlap, all the different layers of burlap. Hawaiians do the same thing, but they use banana leaf, uh, the, the the palm leaves or whatever they they put on it. Yeah. There, there's like a a bunch of cultures, but yeah, I've, I've just seen. Uh, or, or the one that kind of like speaks to me or interests me is again they'll dig a hole in the <coughs> ground and from there it's some variation of how they layer it what they add to it but um, any any ground smoked meat I guess is, yeah is kind well, of if you think about it barbecuing or grilling or smoking is the only true American cuisine everything else is brought in from other countries Italian Americans uh, Mexican Americans Asian all our the food in America is all comes from other cultures you know just might have our own twist now but they come from other cultures the only true american cuisine is smoking meats and stuff like that because that's what native americans did they cooked over an open flame they cooked their meats and stuff like that over open flame. so that's the only true american cuisine everything else is from another country okay hmm. um Interesting. my my final questions here uh ruben how can people get a hold of you um, you can go on Facebook or Instagram. Facebook, it's Smoking Aces Barbecue. And Spell that out. Yeah, Smoke, uh, and then the letter N, and then BBQ. So, oh, gotcha. Smoke and Aces. Yeah, because some people do the ampersand. So yeah, like, yeah, or, or they do smoke, Smoking, but it's Smoke N, Aces Barbecue. So it's Smoke, letter N, Aces, BBQ. On Facebook. On Instagram, which is Smoke underscore N underscore Aces. And I gave up my website because it wasn't. I was getting more hits on Instagram and Facebook. So, really, mm-hmm. interesting. You can contact us. We do quotes through Facebook and everything for you. Okay. Um. And uh, aside aside from that, is there any <coughs> festivals or any events that you have coming up uh, that you're participating in that are either open to the public or, or that you want uh, yeah. our audience to know about? September twenty first, we're going to be doing the first chili uh, cook off here nice. at the VFW in Santee. Uh, I'll what be was that again? September 21st? September 21st. Folks. I'll be representing the VFW here. And that's VFW post 9327 out of slash, slash American Legion post 364. Yep. Nurse Robin would kill us if we didn't uh, contact <laughs> him there. So thank you, Nurse Robin. So yeah, we'll be doing that chili cook-off here. We'll see, uh, still, we're still in the development phase, but we'll be here September 21st. It's going to happen. So. And then you want to give a shout-out to your, your buddy that's going to... He's going to help out with it too, right? Yeah, yeah, you're talking about Fern. Yeah. Uh, Fern from Fern's Barbecue. Um, cool dude, man. He's out here. He's helping us out. He's helping us put this together. He does events up in uh, Inland Empire. He does a barbecue. It's called Mano a Mano uh, Barbecue. He started off with Cali Comfort. I don't know if you guys have heard of Cali yeah, Comfort. Yeah, yeah. So he started off working there and then went off and did his own thing now. Uh, he has Fern's Barbecue. He barbecues himself. He's a big barbecue guy. He does competitions. Uh, he fundraises a lot for uh, uh, Autism Speaks. He's, uh, that's one of the charities he fundraises money for. Uh, okay. he's, a, he's a really giving dude. He's a really cool guy, uh, former Navy. Uh, really good guy, really good guy. He's, you know, we're grateful he's, he's helping us out a lot. He's giving us a lot of insights. And yeah. He's donating some of his equipment. Uh, so, like, hand-washing stations, st- stuff like that. I'm curious to know how the uh, judging is going to go down for that chili festival. So That's just me being hungry ahead of time. I'll give you a little insight from what I've heard is we're going to get some local uh, politicians, maybe uh, somebody, somebody local uh, to do the judging. Cool. Uh, so I still, I don't, I don't think we've come up with the actual, how we're going to do, like there's going to be people's choice and there's just judging. 
or just judges. So we're still working on all that, but definitely we're going to have some kind of judge in here. I think Juan should be guest judge. I, I would, like, give a left nut. <laughs> I still have one. I would, I would, so I would, there's many things I'd give my left nut for or the right one. Judging food competitions, that's that's where it's at. Yeah, wow. so I, I think we're still looking for teams, so if anybody's interested, and I okay. think they're trying to open it up to other posts or something like that. Uh, I don't know exactly how that's working yet, but I think we have to have another meeting here soon to figure out what what progress we've done and where we're at with it. Well, no, but yeah, that's, we'll definitely that's need good. more teams. If, if any of our listeners are, are able to catch this episode and, and you think you have some, some chili cooking skills or you know somebody that might, um, come out here and contact the, uh, the post. Um, four nine is it four nine six one? Yeah, I messed it up. Well, post nine three two seven. Nine three two seven. Um, and let us know because that's good. I, I like that the other posts are kind of like. Yeah, uh, and or I think that that's uh, have that rivalry. Exactly, we're trying to get that. Um, hopefully, we, if we can do that, we can get a trophy that's getting passed on from post to post, so we can yes. do this in annual leave. Yes. So that trophy will get passed on, so we get bragging rights. Whoever wins that trophy for that year, uh, that's that's what we're planning. So we'll see how that works out. See how it plays out. Uh, but the proceeds of this is going to go to VFW to help veterans. You know, the proceeds of this is to fundraise for the VFW. So we can keep continue us, helping Yeah, keep us up and running. Exactly. Keep helping veterans in the community. Keep yeah. doing good stuff for veterans. Right on. Well, on behalf of Triple B Adventures, I'm Nate Landshark Shermer. I am Juan the Don Ortiz. And our special guest, Ruben, thank you very much for coming on board with us. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Cheers. Awesome. Cheers, folks. Let's get getting a drink. Yeah. Just to, uh, <laughs> chili and mac and cheese.